Our scripture passage this morning is from uh, Isaiah chapter 41. Um, Nick and Tamara chose uh, verse 10 of this chapter, and so we'll be reading verses 8 through 20. But before we do, let's ask for the Holy Spirit to lead us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for this word that your Holy Spirit caused to be written. And we pray that as we read your word, that you will speak to us through your Holy Spirit. That we may hear that you are our God. That you call us. That you are our strength our protection. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So beginning at verse 8. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth. From its farthest corners I called you. I said, you are my servant, I have chosen you and not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Do not be afraid, you worm, Jacob. Little Israel, do not fear, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. See, I will make you into a threshing sledge, new and sharp with many teeth. You will thresh the mountains and crush them and reduce the hills to chaff. You will winnow them, the wind will pick them up, and a gale will blow them away. But you will rejoice in the Lord and glory in the Holy One of Israel. The poor and needy search for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst, but I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the deserts into pools of water and the parts ground into springs. I will put in the desert the cedar and the acacia, the myrtle and the olive. I will set junipers in the wasteland, the fir and the cypress together, so that people may see and know, may consider and understand that the, land, that the hand of the Lord has done this, that the Holy One of Israel has created it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as we begin this new year, we might ask this question, what are we doing here? 
what are we doing here? Our pastor often says, all people are like grass and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. These are words that come from this chapter just before our text. And yet here we are. We're in church. Or we're at home, worshiping together. What are we doing here? Maybe a better question is, why are we worshiping the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? The God of the Israelites. I don't know if you know this, but statistics tells us that the world has just reached a population of 8 billion people. I can't imagine that number. And yet, we worship the God of a nation of only about 10 million people. Does this make sense? I think a lot of people had similar questions when Isaiah, the son of Amos, wrote his prophecies. Isaiah worked in the small country of Judah about the time that the ten tribe nations of Israel had been carried into exile by the large empire of the Assyrians. And during Isaiah's time, the people of Judah, or the leaders of Judah, looked for protection from First, the Assyrians, please protect us from yourselves. Then Egypt, you're a great empire, protect us from these others. And then the Babylonians. Because perhaps these leaders are thinking, who is this God of Judah? When Judah is just a small nation surrounded by great empires... After all, great empires play with small nations the way a cat plays with a mouse. Isn't it perhaps better to look away from the God of Judah and to look towards the empires of the world for salvation? Now, by the time we get to the context of our chapter 41, things are looking even bleaker. Not only had the Lord not saved Judah from the king of Babylon, but the king of Babylon had carried the Judeans into exile. Jerusalem, their city, the Lord's city, was completely destroyed. And it doesn't look like the Judeans will ever return to their country, to their city and for many, they are God. Why should anyone call on the Lord? Does he still hear his people far away from the, 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 the destroyed temple? For many of Isaiah's readers, it, it doesn't make sense anymore. The Lord, the God of Judah's ancestors, he doesn't seem that relevant anymore in the cities of Babylon, does he? Maybe, just maybe, it's better to call on the, the, the gods of the Babylonians, as, as it seems that the Babylonians 
are a favored people. Now, if that's what God's people are thinking, Isaiah has a completely different idea. And whether his parents named him Isaiah or he took the name Isaiah after God called him to speak to his people, his name is clear. Isaiah, the Lord saves. And throughout his prophecies, Isaiah doesn't wander very far from this theme, the Lord saves. The Lord saves. The one whom the Lord sends saves. The Lord will save his people. He sends a savior to set his people free. Not Isaiah. Not the leaders of Judah. Not the empires. The Lord saves. But how do we know how do we know that we can trust the Lord? How, how do we know that? Well, in our chapter, God makes his case. He invites the nations to come forward and make their case against him, why they might be better suited than he. No, says Isaiah. The nations are like grass. They wither. The flowers fall. The Lord is in charge of the nations. And the Lord has stirred up one from the east, calling him in righteousness to his service. The Lord hands over nations to him, and the Lord subdues kings before him. He turns them to dust with his sword, to windblown chaff with his bow, with his bow, I, I still have trouble saying that word. You know, the bow that you shoot with. Then he asks, who has done it? Who has done all these great things? Who has carried it through? Calling forth to generations from the beginning. Well, the answer is simple. It is I, the Lord, with the first of them and with the last. I am he. And, and you people of God, you should already know this. You should know this already. God has always been the one that the people of God could depend on. And yet, the people of God have placed their trust in powers that wither away. The nations have seen the power of God. They have. And yet they refuse to bow down to the Lord. The islands have seen it and they fear. The ends of the earth tremble. They approach and come forward. Each helps the others and says to his brother, Be strong in the face of the Lord. The craftsman encourages the goldsmith. And, and, and he who smooths with the hammer spurs on him who strikes with the anvil. He, he says of the welding, it is good. Perhaps you've heard those words before. 
it is good. These are the words that God spoke after he created the heavens, the earth, everything that's in them, and all mankind. It is good. The craftsman goes on. He nails down the idols so that it will not topple. What do the nations do in face of the God who is their creator? They make idols and serve those very idols that they have made. And, and today something similar happens as well. But it happens in different ways. We still have our idols. We count on Elon Musk and the electric car to save us from the climate change crisis that we have created. And if Elon Musk is able to do that, he might as well give us freedom as well. Or we count on a strong man, powerful man, to save us from the from those socialists who are trying to destroy our way of life. And then we count on an old man to save us from the strong man that we have put in place. It, it, it seems to be in our human nature that we want to make idols that will save us from all our ills. We want to be in charge of our own salvation. And, and, and that contrasts completely with the message from the God of the Israelites, the Lord of his people. Verse 8, But you, O Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, my beloved, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners. I have called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you. I have not rejected you. See, this message is the complete opposite of our own message. It's the complete opposite of the message of the world. It is not we who will save. It is not we who call our God. It is not we who make our God. No, it is God who calls us and seeks us out from the ends of the earth. I remember a story from my childhood. I must not have been the easiest of children. One day around milking time, I decided I was going to visit the goats. And I was a little tired, so I figured I, I'll take a nap with the goats. And I didn't just lay down with the goats because, well, that would be dirty, and I didn't like that. So I crawled in their hay feeder, and I laid there, and I fell to sleep. And 
my parents, uh, after milking, my parents, all my brothers and sisters, went looking for me. Where was Frank? He never misses a meal. <laughs> Something must have happened to him. So they went looking all over the place for Frank. Couldn't find me. Until I woke up, and there I showed up. I'm ready to eat. See, when God goes looking for us, it's not that he's trying to find us. He already knows exactly where we are. But he is trying to help us find our way. He helps us find our way back to him. It is God who calls us, seeks us from the ends of the world. It is God who chooses us and not we who choose him. That's the radical message of the prophet. I, the Lord, am God, and I choose you. I choose you. And that's also the message of baptism. Yes, the church has a bunch of exclamations for the baptism of the children. We read through some of those. The church has created a number of commitments that, that parents make. And, and, and we have commitments made by the church to support those parents in that. But at the very foundation of baptism is this radical message. I, the Lord, am your God, and I choose you to be my people. I choose you to be my servants in this world. I chose you, Tamara. She's already working. I chose you, Nick. I chose you, Avery and Brooklyn. I chose you, Henry, Joe. I had already chosen you before anyone ever knew you existed or would exist. I, the Lord, chose you to be my people. The message of baptism, of Isaiah's prophecy, is a message of God's grace. Sometimes we think that God chose us because we are such good people. We think that we really are the ones that were good enough in his eyes, so he chose us. But that is not it. God chose us because of who he is not because of who we are. It, this, this gospel of grace is really so liberating. We, we, we don't have to worry about whether or not we are worthy of his calling. We don't have to worry about whether or not we are good enough for his calling. No, God has called us. So we are his. Now we can go and be his people. Now we can go and be his servants. Instead of worrying about if we are worthy enough, we just do what he calls us to do, whatever that may be.
Now, Isaiah's contemporaries could look back at God's deeds and know that the word, that Isaiah's word really is God's truth. Though Abraham wasn't a perfect person, God called him. And he promised Abraham that Abraham would be the father of nations. Though Jacob was a schemer, God made him the father of a small nation at the very center of the world and at the very center of history. Though Israel was a slave people in Egypt, God called her from Egypt, led her to the promised land at the crossroads of the world. Now throughout history, Israel had wandered again and again and wanted to go its own way. But time after time, the Lord saved her from her own stubborn ways. Throughout the ages, God had made Israel and Judah into his people. And, and, and though its leaders called on empires to save the nation, it was God who saved his people again and again. And even now, while this people is exiled around the world, it is God who promises to redeem her. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. And though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. Babylon? Where's Babylon today? But it is the Lord we can count on. Verse 13, for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, don't fear, don't fear, I will help you. The Lord is the one who gathers his people from the nation and brings them back to the promised land. It is the Lord who takes hold of my hand, of your hand, and cares for us as a mother or father cares for a small child. Don't fear, little one. I've got you. Now Israel, who thought of itself as a worm among the empires, now hears these words. Do not be afraid, O worm, Jacob. O little Israel, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. There's no way that little Israel can redeem herself from the empires around her. There's no empire that can do it for them. But her God is the Lord. And the Lord is in charge of all creation, even the history of nations. And God can call for a Redeemer that Israel has never even heard of. Somewhere far to the east, that's that way, right? Far to the east, a little boy has been born. And that little boy will be, this, will be a servant of the Lord your God. Cyrus, a, a name you've never even heard, will become the empire, emperor of the Medes and the Persians. 
and he will demolish that great empire of the Babylonians. And he will bring his people back to Jerusalem. He will bring God's people back to Israel. But there's more. A little boy will be born in a stable somewhere near a small town of Bethlehem. This little boy will be called back out of Egypt. This little boy will be raised in a nothing town of Nazareth. But this little boy will be the redeemer of not just his people Israel, but all whom God will call. He will redeem, will be the redeemer of all his people, even this stubborn people called Ebenezer. He will be the redeemer of this child, Henry Joe, who is not just a child of Nick and Tamara, but who is also the child of God. Now I think of the task that lies ahead for Nick and Tamara. And for anyone who is a parent of a child, how can I possibly live up to this responsibility of parenthood? How can I possibly prepare this child for all that is to come in the world? Now, Nick and Tamara have received an answer, and that answer is for all of us as well. Don't fear. Don't worry. For I am with you. The one who has chosen us the one who chose his people Israel is with us. Don't be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Now many of us are in similar place as the Israelites of Isaiah 41. We're perhaps not in a place where we sought to be. Perhaps we are facing things we never anticipated facing when we were younger. Earlier today we asked, what are we doing here? What are we doing in church? What are we doing participating in a church service online? Why, why are we worshiping the God of a small nation, the God of the squirmy Jacob, the God of the little Israel. Now I ask this. Where else should we be? Where else should we be? Whom else should we worship? He is the one who created us. He is the one who knit us together in our mother's wombs. He is the one who called us. Long before we knew who he was, long before we knew who we were, he has called us his, children, his servants. He has called us his children. Let's pray.
Father, you who are true to your word, you have called us and you have made us your children. Help us to see that with you nothing, nothing is impossible. Help us to see that you already have a path set for us. Help us to know that you have grabbed us by our hands and that we are in your care no matter what. May we no longer fear, but may we rely on your strength to be what you have called us to be, to face what you have called us to face. Help us to know your strength in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.